0: All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In Podcast, episode number 256. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Me. In this episode, we are finally talking about Avatar, the way of water. Been waiting two weeks or in some cases, 13 years. Uh, Before we get started, we we want to ask you to please subscribe to this podcast on any of our streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now Amazon Music. Make sure that you leave five-star ratings and maybe even a review. We'd really appreciate those. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 3 Pod. You can like us on Facebook, and you can email us at 3drinksinpodcast at gmail.com. Uh last of all, don't forget to check out our merchandise store over there at tpublic.com. Anything else? It's a lot of stuff now. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. We gotta, you know, and I'm only listing three of the, you know, streaming services that we are we are on. We're on at least six. And now there's the iHeartRadio, there's Stitcher, I think, still has our feed. Um there's more than that. There's another one I can't think of it. Um. yeah oh, it's a bunch so but uh, so I watched the trailer today for The, the Last of Us
1: oh yeah it's got kind of
0: good reviews it looks really great I just think it's gonna be terrifying <laughs> it yeah. just looks the just bo- sack up
1: and watch it will you
0: <laughs> oh god well, I don't like zombie thing. I couldn't get through The Walking Dead like I you know I got through that first season I was like oh that, that was great and they went oh no 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 wait there are 19 more years of this that you have to watch. And I was like, well, nope. Yeah. Well, the problem with that show was it was awful. The first season was be, great. Yeah.
1: Well, the the first season was basically just a mini movie. Yeah. And
0: then
1: well, when I they sure. tried to make a show out of it, they were like, all oh, right, writing and plot and characterization. Ah. And they stopped. But uh, this is supposed to be good. Got good reviews. Same people who did Chernobyl,
0: which... Yeah. Uh, I, I watched that twice. That show was so good. I mean, it's short. only yeah. five, five episodes. But, like, the... I've I've never seen a show so well-structured before. Like, yeah, it's, it's only... A, like, you know, it's a miniseries. It's short. But, like, the way in which they dealt with all the different aspects of that disaster and the way in which they, like... They didn't show you what happened until the end when they like when everything was said and done and they were just going through the show trial. Like I thought that was a brilliant um mm. a decision. I I saw some more, like one of those various movie YouTube channels I watched where they were talking about how like perspective is a really, really powerful thing in film, especially in disaster movies, because like you know, from from whence you're looking at the the, the event changes everything about this uh, the story. And like he, he used the example of Chernobyl versus like generic Mark Wahlberg, you know, explosion movie on an oil rig. Mm-hmm. And like if the audience knows everything, the tension lessens dramatically. But if the audience you know, only gets one perspective or one at a time, you know, then you don't have the full picture. It's much more interesting. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I'm I'm hoping that it's good. I mean, I'll watch it.
1: I played the game, and um, the game is scary. Although it's not as scary as people think it is. Like, it it has its moments, but it's not a full on horror game. You know, no, like it's better I, than that. It's better than that. I played parts of a game called dead space and then dead space two and i literally couldn't finish it because it was so terrifying <laughs> it was terrifying that game i had a really hard time playing it. our sister bought it for us for me she's like i don't know maybe you'll like this and i did it was good <laughs> but like i can still remember i had gone through this terrifying like space orphanage or something oh god <laughs> like you know, you're on like a space station and there's like toys strewn about and creepy lighting. And I was like, all right, I, I just got to find a save point and and turn this off for the night because I'm losing it here. And I backtracked all the way back to where there was like a safe spot to save the game and a new monster had appeared, like jumped out of a wall and tried to keep try to eat my face. And I was like, this was not here before. This game <laughs> is screwing with me. And I never <laughs> went back. <laughs> You know even the game was like oh you think you're fine now well how about this and i was like all right this is so the last of us is not it's not like that it has its moments but it's not like you watch with a pillow over your face or anything so
0: yeah i mean for me it was just the, it, the thing about it i thought was great and i actually watched um of it was a youtube channel called oh god lessons from the screenplay uh, yeah. He hasn't posted he in a very long time, that guy. Yeah, I don't think he does it anymore. Those are pretty no. good. They they do a lot of things on like Nebula and like the other like yeah. well, pay for know. YouTube. Um <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, I'm not. But uh he he did I think the last thing I saw him do was an interview with the guy who had written The Last of Us, and they talked about the whole idea of, you know, using narrative to integrate instruction. For the player, and I'm like, oh, that's brilliant, because like you know, you learn how to shoot the gun by murdering somebody who'd been infected with the, you know, whatever it is, weirdo fungus zombie disease, and I was just like, oh my god, like it just it was, so it wasn't so much scary as it was a level of intense that I think is entirely expected of video games at this point, but also. Not why I play video games. Like, I do it to decompress. I like to play the Assassin's Creed games. Those are basically run around puzzle games. You know, it's still murdering people, it's still intense violence, but the stakes are somewhat lower, you know, than right. saving this child who you've adopted after your own kid got killed. Like, that's, you know what? That sounds great, but for somebody else. I mean, you should. And then they made a sequel that came out a couple of years ago. Which blew the doors off the place, from what I understand. People really yeah. liked that one. They, they did another really kind of intense. It was also thing. really good, but it was really,
1: really intense. And I had to stop. I mean, nobody cares about this one in terms of Avatar, but I was playing it. <laughs> and then my son was born that summer, so I took a break. And then I came back, and I was like, "I'm just going to finish this because it, it was it was a long game, and it was very intense. Like every PlayStation was like, you got to be locked in and." <laughs> I think when I finished it, I was so emotionally exhausted. I was like, that was one of the best games I will never play again. Like, I will never play it for a second yeah. time because it was just so
0: draining. I was like, I-, I don't, I need to go to bed now. Like, it, it was just really intense. Yeah. I don't know people who would really look at those games as like, oh, a lot of replayability here. Like, eh, no. I mean, I, I like.
1: I like that stuff about the games, like the story and everything, oh, yeah. and 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 being involved. Some people are easy; they're able to detach themselves from that and just play it. But uh, at that point, you might as well just play Candy Crush. Like if you're just mindlessly looking for something to do, there's there's plenty of phone games you can play. Like <laughs> I like to play stuff. for the story, you know. So, speaking of story, uh, yeah, <laughs> strap in for a three-hour review of Avatar. So. If I had to sit through it, you guys all have to listen to us talk about it now for like three hours. Yes, we watched it, so you don't have to. Uh, Yeah. And I really didn't want (laughs) to go. Because I knew it would be exactly what I thought it was. So I was like, I don't need to go see this movie. Because it'll be just what I think, and I was right. It is. It was what I thought it was gonna be. I was not surprised at all, and I walked out like, "Well, it was more Avatar, (laughs) (laughs) you know." Yeah.
0: Well, that's the hallmark of James Cameron: figure out what people want to watch and then make that for them. I, I guess.
1: I guess so. What did you think of Avatar: The Way of Water?
0: Um. I I I found it extremely understandable. <laughs> like I literally understood everything that I saw. Like um uh, <laughs> like they all they were all speaking in English, I speak English. Um they An IKEA instruction manual. (laughs) Basically, exactly what was happening. Yeah, it was. It was clear. I knew what everybody wanted to do. Uh, I knew, like, there. You know, there's that. It's it's not as low. it's, It's not as low a bar as you might think it is, but it's a pretty low bar. But that's sort of like that's the thing when we really kind of go, okay, this is bad, is when we don't know what's happening. And we could not know what's happening, you know, in terms of the plot or the characters decisions or the visuals. And like, what is it I'm looking at? Like I remember somebody was describing, I think it was like the second transformers movie as being so utterly incomprehensible as to not understand where people stood in space and time within the picture. And, that's a pretty big disaster if you literally don't know where people are. And that's the thing we've, we've noticed about, uh, you know, like all those mystery science theater movies that we watch for those. Like, you just didn't know who, where anybody was sometimes. Like, I, I was thinking of that, <laughs> that one movie where, like, they didn't have audio. And so, like, everyone was filmed, like, not, like, they, they come into a room and then the camera would cut to, like, the wall and you'd hear them having a conversation. <laughs> because they they didn't have the technology for some reason to record audio on the set, and so they just recorded it later, but they couldn't overdub it. Jeez. So it was just... And that that was the one where it was like, if you asked for more refueling scenes, it was just scenes oh of guys, <laughs> you know, like planes in midair being refueled, and, you know... Some of those but, were very funny. But this was, you know... Clear, like I understood everything about it, and I think the problem that people have with Avatar is that they expect you know a story. Like, that was the thing about the first one was that everyone expected, like, this is going to be a good movie because it's the story's going to be clear and it the, the, the story's going to be engaging and fun and I'm exciting. And it it delivers on all of those things except on complexity, you know. Like the, people made fun of it for years after it came out the first time. They were, oh, it's just Pocahontas with blue people, and everyone. And so that, then you had two camps. You had the camp that was like, you know, frustrated by that and thought that like this really wasn't terribly clever. It was just like. You know, we put this guy in a situation. He's a fish out of water. They're going for a thing called unobtainium. Like, they literally thought about the the depth of the story, not at all. And then there's, there's the folks who were like, well, listen, James Cameron's never made a complex movie in his life. And I'm not so sure that's true, because I haven't seen everything he's ever made. But, you know, there's a, that great line from True Lies, which I think is his best movie, where... <laughs> The 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 guys you know t- Tom Arnold and the uh, the man in the chair is giving Charlton Heston the lowdown on the bad guy and the guy goes they call him the Sand Spider and Heston goes why and he goes probably because it sounds scary <laughs> and it's a great joke but like that's a James Cameron joke it's not a we need to give him a a crazy name I don't want to have to explain it with some some kind of a complex backstory about this character's you know, how he got this, uh, this name, so like, just, we'll just call him that, because that's what we're gonna call him, like, these are not complex stories, they're not nuanced, the characters are not not deep, I mean, I think I rewatched Titanic, maybe like two months ago, three months ago, just because, I don't know why we did, and, it's a really stupid movie, because it's a melodrama, it's a real piece of melodrama, in a way that's not terrible, but just dumb, like, People don't really think of melodrama as a viable genre because it generally isn't marketable. But that's what that movie is, and it made a gajillion dollars. But the last like half an hour of it is gut wrenching. Like I was glued to my television for the last forty five minutes to an hour of that movie because it's just so intense. Like this, there's this one shot where you know the boat is supposed to basically kind of go. Oops. I watch it talk to me. So the boat the boat is supposed to go ass over tea kettle and the next thing you know, you know, you're looking at the propellers, which you're never supposed to see of a ship once it's been, you know, launched. And the immense the immense size of those big rotors in the background where you have your main characters in the foreground just being overawed about oh my god and you know, <laughs> DiCaprio's like, "Okay, here's what's gonna happen: when the boat goes back down, we're gonna be pushed under the water. We have to swim and do and hold our breath, and the whole thing, and it's very exciting." And that's basically what James Cameron does: is he makes very exciting movies that are easy to understand for most people, and this was no exception. And I just don't get why. I mean, I, I I I can't say I don't get why they make so much money. I guess I'm just kind of saddened by the fact that they make so much money because they really aren't stimulating or sort of intellectually challenging in the least. They are the most basic, you know, bare bones sort sort sorts of things. And I I I I think I said this to my friend Mike. Who I went to go see you with, and I was just like. You know, there's that there's that old aphorism where you can't please all the people all the time, but you can please, you know, all of them some of the time. This is what that is. You know, this is trying to reach the most amount of people with one story that we can all kind of get behind and then providing them with, you know, truly spectacular and exciting visuals to round out the third act and you know i can't fault them for having a winning strategy but it's clearly like a this is a strategy of making sure we get as many people to like this as possible by making it not the least bit objectionable or confusing so so what did you think of it <laughs> i was boring as hell <laughs> <laughs> too long didn't read a version is it. it was boring <laughs> Okay. No, so, so somebody I think it was John Padoritz who said that like the first hour is boring for this reason, the second hour is boring for that reason, and the third hour is fantastic. <laughs> and he was pretty much spot on. Like, you know, the first hour of the movie is you're reorienting yourself to the same damn story you saw thirteen years ago, was it? I don't know. It seems like a long time. I thought it was like 9. Nope. <laughs> it was a lot longer no, than that.
1: It came out in 2009.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, so it was a long time ago. Yes. And the, the second half the or the, the second half, the second hour is them, you know, being you, you being bored as you're watching them learn how to swim. And then the third ha- the, the, the the third half is the exciting Battle on the Boat, which I thought was really great. So, what'd you think?
1: Uh, I was reminded, I, re- I went back and read it the other day, uh, David Foster Wallace wrote an essay. He was a, a postmodern writer about why his his joke was that the bigger the budget of the movie, uh, and I'm directly quoting, the shittier it will be. <laughs> <laughs> And he held up, he called them spectacle movies, Uh, Jurassic Park, which I love, Um, Terminator 2, mostly, he held up as examples. He goes, what do we remember about these films? We remember, like, he takes T2, and I remember how cool it was that the liquid metal guy could turn into liquid metal when he pops out of the floor, when... He jumps into the helicopter and the helicopter is floating on the highway. It's like right under a bridge and the crazy stunts. And he goes, and what do we remember about the story? Not all that much. They're just sequences that are strung together by the most bare bones part of a plot. And he loved the original Terminator because it was far more interesting. And it, it was dealing with concepts and it just it was hitting on an idea for the first time. And it didn't have a big special effects budget. I mean, you and I saw the original Terminator. It's, it's a cheesy kind of horror-looking thing, you know, com- especially compared to the second Terminator, which has unbelievable special effects. And I was thinking of that because that is what James Cameron does. He pushes the boundaries of his special effects and camera work, and he's extremely talented in that way. He can put a movie together. Um, but his storytelling has never gotten any better. Ever. In fact, it's gone worse. Yeah. You know, I like watching Titanic because the last 45 minutes are you're just enthralled watching this thing break apart. But at the same time, I cringe when everyone opens their mouths <laughs> or does anything because they don't act like human beings would act, they act like they're in a stage show. And they're just doing it in the basement of a Broadway theater. I literally chewed the scenery. You know, like every time Billy Zane does anything, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, what second rate acting school did he go to? And he's a good actor. It's just for some reason, when he's in that movie, he's terrible. I was thinking that scene big- where, where,
0: where, 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 like, where like throws the table and you just kind of laugh at him. He's supposed to be menacing. And he's not. He's just like, wait, why,
1: why'd you throw that table? I, I can't help but watch the scene where they're walking onto, like, they're, they're getting on the ship and they're loading all their luggage. He's like, oh, it's ridiculous with this unsinkable ship. I'm just like, what? is the cue card stuck to Kate Winslet's back? What <laughs> What is he doing? It's awful. Almost all the movies, you know, after Aliens are like this. Even True Lies. I know it's funny, but it's not a great movie. It has amazing stunts in action. Yeah, They all have that. So, it baffles me that avatar did so well except you know you just have to accept the fact that he was pushing 3D so he made a lot of extra money that way and he was really doing a good job pushing um the the technology and how it looked and the 3D and all things like that. Uh, you know okay fine that's it looked great. But I remember watching even then you know I was just out of college and I was sitting there watching it like I'm only here because people kept telling me to come see this movie. It's actually really stupid. It's a stupid movie and it <laughs> takes itself so seriously that it makes it even more stupid. Okay. Like at least with Titanic and, and all those other things, I'm watching actual humans on an actual boat. I can understand these concepts, but like, and it, it actually happened too, and it really happened. And there, you know, people falling in love like that's the most basic concept that I can understand as a human and feeling emotions, she feels trapped and wants to love someone she's not supposed to love. Okay, fine. But this one, I mean, he does a, he does his best, but it's like these tall blue people that I don't you know, they have big, big cat, you know, Disney eyes. Okay, sure. But they're speaking some weirdo language and... Everyone is cartoonishly over the top. Like the, the, the humans are clearly evil. Like it's stupid how dumb they're, they're day glow forests and they're the great spirit. I'm like, this, this has nothing to do with me. I don't understand this. And they're just so damn earnest about it. So I watched this one. It's the same thing. <laughs> I know. But now they're all underwater. So now I'm just looking at weirdo fish and giant whales and like, once again, the whale hunters are cartoonishly evil. They're, they might as well be wearing top hats and like little mustaches. I'm just sitting here like, man, is this so dumb or what? This is just so dumb. It's like a little kid's project. And yeah. my giant cat people are I'm like, who came up with this concept? And I know that there were certain scenes watching it because they were like, it's so, you have to, you have to experience it. I watched James Cameron's whale documentaries this summer with my son. Oh, I watched most of it. He just sort of like looked up at the whale every so often. He was really into sea creatures and I had watched enough YouTube clips. So I was like, let's watch this. Oh, James Cameron put this together and he has all this amazing footage of whales. And at the end of every episode, he would talk about like the, the cameras they would develop to go underwater and track the whales and everything. And that was really interesting. And I was watching this movie and I'm like, this is the same thing. (laughs) He, He took whale footage and put superimposed 3D whales on here that can like mentally talk to people. And there were scenes where like they'd be underwater and like the fish would swim in front of their face. And I'm sitting here like, this is supposed to be in 3D. That's all this is for. I was supposed to pay extra money to watch this scene in three dimensions with those stupid plastic glasses. There is no point to this scene being here and certainly not for having it be 10 minutes long. So I was just like, man, is this stupid? I I couldn't believe how stupid it was. It was extremely boring. Yeah. Um, And I did not think the action was good enough to justify um the rest of the film not oh, this no no i really no. didn't think like that last like that last 45 minutes where they're on the boat and they're fighting i didn't think it was that good i guess you can only see that scene so many times between the marvel movies and the last avatar but i was like I, i've seen this before
0: and it's not that exciting i mean it's by comparison it was a breath of fresh air like oh there's a well sure CD, you know you know so
1: with sticking your head out a train window when it's going 95 <laughs> miles an hour, I'm like, well, this is different than being on the train. It doesn't mean I want pressure. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jowls of, you know, like you're doing one of those. So uh, I really don't understand where all the praise comes from.
0: No, um, I, I am. I am flummoxed.
1: I am. Especially this time. Per- perplexed. This time everything felt like a retread. I mean, even the villain was the same. I was like, yeah, "That God. guy
0: died. What the hell?" The same guy. Yeah. No, I, I don't. There was. I had only. I had one laugh out loud moment when, like, because <laughs> like the, the the kid, like the sort of like misfit son, meets the whale, and befriends the whale. I'm like, oh, that's odd that he's kind of had this. Strange attachment to this gigantic silent sea creature. All right, well, let's just go. Let's see where see this goes. And then the next thing you know, like they're having conversations, like like you would have with your invisible friend when you were four. You know, okay, like yeah. <laughs> like we, I turned for like, wait, is he talking to that whale? Like we just started to laugh because it was like the the rest of it was silly and simple and straightforward, but that was. Very dumb. They sort of dump all that emotion, like when the when they find the one dead mother whale, and then the 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 the, the crybaby, you know, aquamarine colored queen starts going on about all the all the things that this that this creature composed. I'm like, with what did she write it down? So, <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean she's composing? Like.
1: Yeah, don't think about it too
0: hard. I mean, I, I I totally get the idea that there would be a race of intelligent creatures on a on a science fiction planet somewhere that would really sort of you know because they 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 do say how like octopus or octopuses I I you want to say octopi but that's not right it's octopuses are remarkably intelligent creatures same thing with dolphins and a few other. Um, Elephants, too. Kind of. And, like, they all share traits of humanity in terms of 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 intellect that we can recognize. But their existence is so different that, you know, it prevents them from doing things like, you know, building civilization. And so we can respect the creatures for their intelligence and even, to a certain extent, have relationships with them at the same time, though. You, you can do that and you're still creating a sacred being that should not be murdered for, you know, three liters worth of golden goo that you pull out of their brain and still not pretend that they're, you know, the down underwater, you know, it's like the opening scene from the little mermaid.
1: Well, that's, that's James Cameron hammering home his points to make sure you, you buy into it. Like if you're not going to buy into the nonsense, then he's going to do every effective trick in the book to make you care. And it, in certain points, it gets manipulative. Like that's one of them, obviously. Nobody wants to watch mommy and baby animals get murdered. Um, he could put his the kids in danger constantly because nothing hits the, you know, the hippocampus, more like a, a child in danger. You start to immediately empathize with that. I mean it happens twice that's the only time i laugh i can't believe was. i got tied up again i can't believe i got tied up again and i'm like who wrote this nonsense like you're right that is stupid <laughs> but every time it happened i was like you just want to put his kids in danger so i'll feel bad for him meanwhile i don't care but you know yeah, yeah. if i have to hear one more time it looks like a playstation cutscene. I'm going to lose my mind (laughs) because that's a common complaint that movie critics have about films that don't have really great CGI and don't have any stakes. They're like, Oh, it looks like a PlayStation cutscene. Clearly you haven't played any video games and you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. There were certain scenes in this movie that didn't look all that great and they did look like a PlayStation cutscene, but every time there was a human next to a Navi, it didn't matter how good it looked. It looked fake as hell. Yeah. Because he's got giant cartoon blue people walking around, so like when it was just them in the water and everything, it looked it looked fine, it looked good. But as soon as you put like the kid there or Edie Falco, <laughs> <laughs> then it looked awful because yeah. it didn't look real. What they mean by video game cutscene is that there aren't any stakes to the scene. Video games don't have a lot of stakes because you can just hit reset and start over again. A lot of these scenes felt the same way. I mean, a lot of the Navi kept getting killed or, you know, arrows to the heart or whatever. But in terms of, like, how it looked, it's always going to look, it's like a computer. As soon as you take it out of the box, it's always going to look a little dated. The first avatar doesn't look as good as it used to, and everybody was hailing that as a masterpiece. So, like, I was watching this. I'm like, this looks okay. Oh, wait, no. Oh, this part's
0: better. Uh, Oh, God. Like, it, it was so distracting. They also had problems with scale too. Like the like these creatures are supposed to be like nine feet tall. And yeah, I kept forgetting and, that. Yeah, I mean, and this is a common problem when you when you have different you know characters, fictional characters of like very different sizes. Like the best I saw this done, was, of course, was in the Lord of the Rings. Um but only in certain certain circumstances, it was generally very hard to do. Um, with the hobbits, I remember Gimli was the best um, example of like how you really sell the scale, because he was a little guy constantly surrounded by big people, and John Reese Davies did all of his close-ups looking up at the camera, like he never looked flat out. And because Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin were dealing with pretty much just themselves for most of the movie, yeah, you could tell they were tiny, like when they're being carried on the backs of the um the the Urukai. They're like you know they're clearly very small, and you know like so like but like that's as good as it gets. And it was still there were problems all over the place, you know. Um, you know trying to keep the hobbits who had who who had to look the same size as each other but also smaller than the other people that they met randomly mm. and it was tricky and here it really didn't show up cuz like you had that kid running around with that stupid thing on his face cuz he couldn't breathe the air and oh yeah well that, yeah that too <laughs> and he and then like the guys that came to kind of help the one person when they were injured that the the doctor from you know from, from the first movie, and um. I mean the other problem with these stories is that like you said like they're really dumb. But they're they're really dumb. They're really dumb.
1: <laughs> they're really dumb.
0: Like the concept just doesn't make any sense. Well, the the I mean, problem is
1: that. All right, you want to go first.
0: <laughs> well, my whole thing about it was that why would they do any of this? Like why would they create an avatar? Like to me the word avatar always re- represented sort of a like a two-dimensional token that you would use to identify yourself within a computer program like Twitter. Or aim for those of you old enough. Like, you know, like these were. That's what they were. Right. And then now I'm like, you. they use the word to, to describe a three dimensional, you know, bioengineered robot. But that's not a robot. It's just like they grew these things in a lab and they are the same species theoretically as the native species of this planet, which is intelligent but primitive. And they did that why again? Like that was always the thing I never like the central premise of the story made no sense to me.
1: The the first one was that they made these these things where you plugged into them. Right. Because they couldn't breathe on the that's like a moon technically they couldn't breathe there and they wanted to mine for that ore and they wanted to pacify the natives by having people go and talk to them and like have them integrate with people and since we couldn't talk to them and we were strange looking to them they made these things and those were the avatars so like you were in the thing mentally but you know your actual body was in a bunker somewhere in like a, a little suntan booth you know that's where you, you were plugged in with like a headset sure yeah and so the and that's why like you didn't exactly look just like them because they had extra fingers like your dna had to be spliced whatever it's sci- sci-fi mumbled oh, right the finger thing they had four finger fingers thing. they had four and because of the way they they did it for humans they had five i don't know um So that was the whole point. And what was so disappointing was that as much as all this technology is improved and it looks nice, the storytelling has not improved at all. And you could get away with that story in the first one where we're here and we don't care about you and we're bulldozing everything. And the Avatar project was basically, basically a facade for the megalomaniacal company that wanted to just tear up all your stuff and steal it from you. Whereas in this one, we have to concoct a whole new reason for them to still be there. And so problem number one is they just show up. They go, our planet's dying now. We want yours. But they can't breathe on this planet. (laughs) So my first thought was this makes no sense. Why are they here? They can't breathe. And last I checked. You have to be able to breathe to live. <laughs> like they all just wear the head. They just wear masks on all the time. I'm like, is humanity okay with this? We're okay with settling on this moon with people who don't like us. And we have to wear b- gas masks forever because we can't breathe here. Okay. I mean, aside from the fact that they're cartoonishly evil, because the first thing they do is like they set the rockets down and it destroys all the forest around them. Why would anyone do that? I just sat there like, that's so stupid. They know they're going to destroy everything when they land their rocket ships, and they're fine with this? Don't we also need trees? We don't need rivers and food and, and animals? Like Anyway. <laughs> so that makes no sense, right? We can't breathe on this planet, but we're going to colonize it anyway. Then we're going to take the army men that lost the first time and take their backup brains and upload them into these avatar bodies and hope that the second time around it's gonna work <laughs> <laughs> sure okay and then they just sort of like jump ahead and they don't explain anything right so our main character is what's his name jake
0: jake sullivan sully. jake
1: sully He's helping the Na'vi resist all the humans that are attempting to colonize their their planet. And that's when they send the original villain after him. And they're like, if we can take him down, then this resistance will stop. And he decides that I must flee for the safety of the people in the forest. So he goes to the ocean. And then what happens? What do the other Na'vi do? Just sit around? Do they get conquered? Do they give up? I don't know. Well, he is that, what, is that what leaders do? They just flee and hope everything keeps going without them? Yeah, he he
0: he he gives over because he 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 becomes the chief. Right, he's their chief, and then he gives that power up to the like the next guy.
1: Yeah, he'll I guess be that fine. Guy just he just lays down and rolls over.
0: <laughs> okay, what, what the hell? And then, yeah, then I mean, he, his goal is to protect his family for, you know, for whatever reason, I forget, does he feel, yeah, so he, 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 he runs into the, 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 the bad colonel in the, in the new blue body and he feels like, like he's, you know, the, the, the this guy, the colonel is out for revenge. It's a revenge story. That's all this is. It has no greater significance. Like they say, well, we have to go get him because he's the leader. But they effectively do that. They get rid of him by chasing him away and getting the new leader who's not as good as Sully is.
1: But his mission is still to get that guy.
0: Yeah, but we don't know why.
1: Uh, Well, wouldn't that help?
0: (laughs) Yeah. that, that, That would have been great if there was a reason for that. Right. But there wasn't. There so was just like, this like oh. I don't like him.
1: Right. Like, they chase him off, and he runs off to the fish people, and I'm like, oh, so the movie's over now, right? Like, Problem solved. Like, like, yeah, like, they got him. The rest of them aren't doing anything, I assume. We don't find out anything
0: about the, the forest people after they left. Nope. I don't know. And, like, you don't get why the fish folks weren't also affected by this, because it really made it, like, the first, the first movie made it seem that, like, this was the people on this planet. This was the whole planet. It was like this. And, you know, it, they did what all really poorly written sequels to movies do is we're going to expand the universe to include other things. Like The Matrix tried this too, whereas, you know, the, the, the story of that first movie w- was confined to the one ship, there, like this one small crew, uh, you know, on this one ship fighting, the, you know, fighting in this great big war. I, and I, I remember when the second one came out. Like, oh, you get to see all the stuff you were taught. They were talking about in the first movie, and I thought at the time, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds great. We got to go to Zion and see other people. And it ended up being really bad because the tight, small story about a, you know a limited group of people attempting to accomplish a goal and you know having setbacks and then you know succeeding is very interesting, but when it's just you know when you all of a sudden have an, you know a whole planet then you have too much to worry about in some cases you kind of go well where were you all before you know there was there was an epic you know armageddon like battle in the last movie a million years ago you didn't notice any of that like didn't concern us we you know we 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 we're a slightly different color blue and right. we have different arms and legs for swimming I'm like, are they the same species? I mean, at that point... I mean, like, yeah, like... <laughs> sort of. We all look different as human beings, but that's mostly just sort of like, you know, a yeah, little, some little of us bit don't of heights and yeah, skin some of color. Us don't have, you know,
1: tails and fish appendages, and, like, we're all
0: basically the same. We just look different. Yeah, just like, you know, different different shaped eyes and noses. Like, I, I remember... <laughs> the first time I saw it was... um, Um... For like in in the Oakley Sunglass website, they sell sunglasses f- that are called Asian fit mm-hmm. because Asian people apparently have a slightly different shape to their nose, which is consistent enough acro- across people from that part of the world where like you'd need different kinds of sunglasses so that wouldn't fall off your head. I'm like, oh, I had no idea. But that's the extent of it. <laughs> we we don't have a tail that's that that's much, much thicker than somebody else's. Like it it was just that was weird. So that made no sense. No. And, and
1: and and it was disappointing that you know, because your whole movie hinges on this. The first one got away with it because it was very bare bones and basic, whereas this one was like, oh, it's a bit more complicated now. And I'm sitting here like no, it isn't. In fact, it's less complicated <laughs> because you're leaving bits and parts out that I don't understand. So I don't care about the visuals as much as you want me to because I don't understand why they're why they're happening. Why is this happening in front of my face? And even when they <laughs> they hijacked, they basically hijacked that guy's whaling boat, you know? And I thought there was going to be a conflict there where he's like, Well, I don't work for the army. And he kind of kind of growls at him. He goes, But I guess I do now. I'm like, okay, they don't get along. Oh, wait, just kidding. The whaler is evil, too. (laughs) right? Well, he's a whaler. so Yeah. And so is this entire enormous crew, and they have no objection to hunting these poor creatures. And then they would say things like, here's the magic goo that stops human aging and would fetch us $80 million. I'm sitting here like, I thought the planet was dying. Who's paying for this? Like, who's paying for this?
0: Where is everybody? And also, like, if the planet is dying, why would you want people to live forever? Right. Like, I, I'm a big fan of living a long time, and there being more people and not fewer. Um, But, in you know, in a story written by an aging Canadian hippie who, you know you know talks about resource management it doesn't make any sense that people would want to live forever as i mean maybe that maybe that's his point is that like they're you know the humans priorities are so screwed up that they're you know they they burn through their entire planet but they all you know they're also still still looking for you know for for the fountain of youth i guess it sort of doesn't make a lot of sense yeah, I don't know. It, it does make less sense than unobtainium. Like, that made perfect sense. Like, here's this rock, which gives us so much power. We don't need to burn coal or, you know, have nuclear reactors or whatever. Like, okay, eh, okay. Okay. Well, that's okay. at least
1: straightforward. Yeah. yeah. It's like, all right, they want this thing. I mean, it's not Shakespeare, but fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I thought that yeah, anybody, any of the actual interesting things that were happening got glossed over so bad. I'm like, well, they could have made a whole movie about that. You know, like the bad guy had on his body armor or whatever. It's at Operation Phoenix because they had come back to life basically. And there were the, all these moments where he wonders like exactly who am I? Like, I'm not really a person. Yeah. Anymore. You know, like the little kid is supposed to be the son of the dead body of I'm cloned from and should I really do what I want? Like, I mean, I'm put back on this planet to continue a mission, but Do i have to i mean do i not have free will i don't understand like none of that is explored at all it's just here's the bad guy now he's three-dimensional blue person and he hates the main character i'm like
0: why didn't they just get a new bad guy yeah i actually thought about that too like that was actually the most interesting character in in the story was the one that had potential for internal conflict like you know, when when you are you know carry the memories and effectively are the same person as the as the dead guy, but now you are you know you exist within the body of the thing you spent the entire previous movie demonizing and trying to kill. Now you are that thing. That's and interesting. He
1: sa- and he says that. Yeah. He's like, but now we're taller and stronger, and
0: we can breathe the air here, so it's better now. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess we're fine with this. <laughs> and with the kid, too. You kind of thought, like, you know, he was teaching him how to do things. Like, this is how you, you know, wrangle one of these flying dragons. And you can, you know, get, you know use one of those. And, you know, teaching him how to, you know, maneuver around the place. Because he, you know, which is interesting. is like, he's a human who can't, probably can't, you know, really survive in this place and the you know his friends tease him all the time that like how could you do the same things you know we do when you're so you know puny human but you know they kind of form a relationship as he's teaching him to do the things he needs to track down his friends and kill them like there's the potential for conflict there where what's his name spike or uh spider spider thank you yeah we're like, you know, where where do his loyalties lie? Well, they lie apparently in just making sure that the bad guy is alive for the third movie. <laughs> That's pretty much his main concern was just like, you know, I won't ever like, you know, there's never a moment where he's like, but he could be my real dad. No, that never actually happens. He just like, you know, and they and they never questioned him, too. That could have been the other bit of conflict that would have happened was when you know, Spider gets rescued by his, you know, adopted family. They don't. They don't go. Hey, you helped them try to track us down. You're, you know, are, are are you know, you're a human too. Are you as bad as them? There's never any doubt in where his loyalties lie. Even when he tells them, "I happened to rescue the other guy." Yeah, sorry about that. Hope that right. isn't a problem in the uh, upcoming story.
1: Right, you guys are cool with that, right? Even though I got your son killed. Okay, awesome. <laughs> you know, and. And they made a big stink about moving from the forest to the ocean because they aren't really made for that sort of thing. And Jake Sully's wife, played by Zoe Saldana, doesn't want to go. You know, this is our home. I want to stay and defend it. We did last time, so what's the big deal? (laughs) And he forces her to go, and, and she gets there, and she's like devastated to be staying someplace that's not her home. Like she, she basically gave up everything to follow her her husband's advice. Two thumbs up. And then that, then then nothing. Then she just wails and screams most of the rest of the movie. I mean, she barely has any lines. Yeah. I, and I kept thinking, like, because they spent a lot of time with the kids. I'm like, well, what does she feel about this? She, she was giving him a hard time in in the beginning of the film, and then that sort of just stops. You know, they spend a lot of time with the kids saying "bro" every five seconds. <laughs> What about her? She was a big part of this. I guess it's fine. Just listen to your man. <laughs> he knows best. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't enough to string along the action sequences, which were few and far between, which made the film boring. And then I couldn't get invested except in the only most rudimentary way. My daughter's in trouble. My son might get hurt.
0: What about my home? I mean, uh, it wasn't enough. They do kill his one son. I thought that was, you know,
1: well, I knew one of them was going to go. That was a choice. He, he had so many. <laughs> we, and I know we got that, backups. Sounds, it's, it's, I know that sounds bad, <laughs> but he had, he had so many. He had the two boys, a girl, and then the Sigourney Weaver clone thing. And then he that, says we had the human as like, it basically was like a pet, you know, and I'm like, this family's too big. <laughs> this is not like the 2.5 children. This is 3.5, and that's too many. Like, I, I know that sounds bad, but in my brain, I was figuring it out. Like, well, one of them's got to go. And the older son was the prime candidate because he did everything right. Yeah. He was always in the right and he was always being forgiven. And the middle kid was the one who was like, the screw up. You know, and I was like, "There's no way they're gonna kill the little girl." So, like, when he died, I was like, "Yeah, of course." (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, So, whatever happened to Sam Worthington? Is it Worthington? What's his name? Yeah, that's him,
1: right? He's the main guy.
0: Yeah, this was like his big thing. (laughs) What's that? He's not a good actor. No, he's terrible. And I heard a a story that Matt Damon told. I saw it on on TikTok where he was saying that. James Cameron had had offered him this role uh mm-hmm. to play uh Sully and um and he uh he turned it down. He was like at the end of the the born movies and they were like and the, and the joke in the in the story and I don't know how much of this is true but he says like he offered him 10% of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so he's like I kind of regret not doing that now. Like I would <laughs> have would it worked out, you know, out. <laughs> and, and and Matt Damon's not poor at all but he would have been about a hundred times <laughs> richer than he is
1: now even less poor
0: <laughs> yes but um that but that like once i i heard him say like oh yeah that makes sense you would be the right guy for that role like that sort of generic square-headed action guy who was super popular at the time and who's also a very good actor you know and everyone else in the movie is quite good you know, Colonel, what's his nuts? You know, notwithstanding, he's like you know, he's okay. That's great. So, you know, he 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 certainly looks the part. But um, yeah, it's it's odd to me that they they that they find themselves now making sequels a, a decade later using actors who kind of you thought were gonna blow up. And become super famous, and did not did not do that at all. Like he did what? The uh, Clash of the Titans?
1: Was he in one of those Terminator movies or no?
0: Yes, he did that. Uh, yeah, Sam Worthington. I'm just kind of looking him up now. Like, yeah, he really didn't have sort of the career that we all. God, like I'm looking over his list here and I don't recognize that's fine I mean of these names
1: it, did you know that was kate winslet
0: uh no oh god that's like i i think i knew that at some point that that was terrible that that acting was just that was dreadful like, it, who 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 was the guy too who was the uh
1: Oh, Cliff something or other. I can't remember his name. Cliff. Well, yeah. I don't know what his avatar name was. They're, they were unpronounceable. Yeah. Cliff Curtis from New Zealand. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've seen him in things. I mean, I mean those, those Navi were clearly modeled on Maori Hawaiian type. You know, they had the tattoos and everything so lazy <laughs> it's yeah. such, a, such lazy stereotyping well, they're fish people they must be like Hawaiians <laughs> you know and they do extremely stereotypical things with like the seashells and the, the chanting and you know all that stuff so like I knew it was Kate Winslet because I saw it in a in an article or something and then once I knew I could see it so I was like yeah this is not a good performance but you're doing like an extremely broad stereotype and you're hidden behind all this motion capture and stuff. So like it, it doesn't really shine through. It takes a lot of skill to do that stuff. Yeah. Andy's Andy circus Andy is is at the top of, of the food chain when it comes to that stuff. I mean, he made the ape look good. Yeah. You know, but, but this stuff is really hard. So I give Sam Worthington credit for at least, he still comes across as Sam Worthington in this, whereas the rest yes. of them are just doing like, because I always saw Donna is making choices <laughs> <laughs> where I'm like, she's playing up every stereotype she can. And at some points it's uncomfortable, yeah. but you know, that was better than Kate Winslet's
0: job. I thought, yeah. I and sure. I like Kate, but she's a great actress. Oh she's, she's Mayor of East Town was one of the Did you see that show? Yeah, it was good. Oh, what a great show. That was really She was and she nailed that accent too. That that Delco Eastern Philadelphia uh, uh, East, Eastern Pennsylvania accent is not easy to do consistently and she was very good at it. Um the other thing I for, I I wanted to mention about this and I So this is a PG-13 movie, right? Yeah. You got a lot of shits... And you get your one fuck. You can you can do that one time. But is it me or were they were were there a lot of naked people in this movie? As long as you don't show nipples, you're okay. Yeah. But I was I'm not gonna say uncomfortable by it, but it was a little strange. Just sort of how sensual both the male and female characters in this in this movie were. Like, there was, you know, and like... Oh, that's a choice. Well, yeah, I'll say. But, like, this is one of the things that, like, people said when the first one came out and it was so successful. And it was like, well, they love it in China and other places that, you know, where where, you know, English is not the primary language because the the language is not a barrier to access to this movie. Like there's nothing about the the linguistics of it that are like, you know, you know, like it isn't like, you know, oh, you, you haven't heard Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original German kind of thing. No, like it's the story is the story no matter what language you're saying it in. It's just as wooden and stupid in in Norwegian as it is in um in English. But it was also about the design of the Na'vi, how they were basically designed to look like Bambi. And, you know, all manner of, like, you know, these D- these Disney characters which are, you know, designed to look cute and adorable and attractive and that they're blue isn't really an impediment to that. They're just, you know, and, and they kind of amped that up a little bit. And the sex appeal... I don't know. Like it's just something I noticed, and it was like, oh yeah, they're trying to make these people look kind of hot, and mostly because they're not wearing any clothes. And yeah, well, it's a it's a visual trick. Yeah,
1: because look at all the humans. They're short. You know, Giovanni Ravizi is short. He's bald. The the wailing guy is fat. He's got a he's got a dirty, disgusting beard. He looks sweaty. The army guys have scars all over them. They're constantly chewing bubble gum like a jarhead would. I mean, it's it's a stylistic choice to show you, in the broadest of terms, these guys good, those guys bad. Yeah, and it doesn't really get any simpler than, or you know, it's as simple as it can be.
0: Yeah, it just, but it just caught my eye this time that like like the like the the sensual nature of these characters was very much front and center. Yeah they're also wet
1: most of the time
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, like yeah. oh, they're constantly wet that's <laughs> that's a thing that's happening. <laughs> you, know what also, I, yeah, you know what i also you know i also didn't really like and it extended to the whole like this is what no one thought it through uh, and they didn't do it too much but i remember in the first movie the humans had guns and ships and grenades They were constantly getting killed by bows and arrows and like spears through the glass so their ships would crash. And the same thing happened here. And I was like, after the third guy got impaled with his spear and he crashed his ship, I was like, did they learn nothing? (laughs) Did they not come back to this planet like, you know, we lost to a bunch of ragtag group of natives? Perhaps we should reinforce the glass plating on our ships. No. They didn't learn anything. It was very disappointing. Yeah. What did you think of
0: the um, Sigourney Weaver thing? I hated it, but you know, what the whole immaculate conception of that character?
1: Uh, I don't. You know, I don't understand what the point of that is. I also don't understand why they didn't hire a new actress. Every time she opened her mouth, I'm like, it sounds like my grandma coming out of that 14 year old. <laughs> It's clearly Sigourney
0: Weaver. She's seventy three. Is she really?
1: Yes. <laughs> <Man>, Google <laughs> it in the theater.
0: God, we should all we should all age so gracefully.
1: Like she's not pulling off a teenage voice. Seventy three. why did not they just hire somebody? Like uh, I, I found that to be very well, just a strange decision.
0: I, I mean, it's basically she's basically a clone. You can make it look like her, I guess. But you can't make it sound like her. Well, well, that's that. That's the next technology for Cameron to crap. We've de-aged, you know, Robert De Niro to make The Irishman. Now we have to de-age him vocally. Yeah, get on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I didn't like it.
0: No, no, it's not good. What I, what what kind of a theater did you see it in? Like, was it was it a high frame rate, uh, or whatever that means? No,
1: they didn't. They didn't have a lot of them, so there was no 3D unless it was in IMAX. And I wasn't gonna. Oh, I wasn't gonna watch it in is IMAX. that what it was? Yeah, I, I would I, have liked to have seen it in 3D, just on a regular big screen, but they didn't have any.
0: Yeah, I went to do that. I, I saw it at the Alamo, which is you know my preferred uh, theater. Uh, mostly because they had beer, and um, when I went to go look, uh, it was like, oh, okay, well, we're gonna do, th- you know, I was, I considered the 3D, which I don't like to do, but I, I'll, you know, I'll give it a shot. And it was in like the tiny theater. I'm like, well, I don't want to watch this on a tiny theater. I want to see it in like their big show. And they didn't have it available there. And then, but that makes sense now that it was a, it was a IMAX thing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean the 3D
1: was the big selling point for the first one. And I did see that in 3D and it looked good, but you know, it's James Cameron and he spent a lot of money and he purposely made it that way. Yeah. And all the other movies after that just like jumped on the 3D train and they weren't any good, but I wasn't going to watch it in IMAX. Cause like it's too
0: big. <laughs> I need the biggest C value. You have no, that's too big. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I wasn't going to, I, I do think that they, they are making movies now. And I think this is a response to pandemic viewing and, you know, watching things in these small formats and not going to the theaters and guys like Tom Cruise and James Cameron be like, no, you have to leave your house and go to the theater. Otherwise, it doesn't count. And there There is some truth. Like, I couldn't imagine watching Dune at home. <laughs> Like, there are movies that I look back and I go, you know, there's no point in watching this movie. I think it was uh, Dunkirk I regret not doing in theaters because, like, that, w- that that movie was sold to me poorly. It was like, oh, it's like a whole movie made out of the first half an hour of Saving Private Ryan. I'm like, that sounds terrible. I don't want to see that. that. That's the worst thing I've ever heard of. And it wasn't that. And I... And I waited years, and I think I I I just watched it at home. And it was a great movie. It was very engaging. It was really interesting. But it it wasn't, like, that gory and violent and intense the whole time. It was, you know, gory and violent and intense, but not for a straight two hours. But the spectacle, like, the size of the picture and how it shifted between, like, Tom Hardy's character in the plane and, like, the expansive views of, of, of that. Um, perspective and then the small and the the other guys on on the beach and uh you know like i regret not seeing that in theaters and i would have you know like this there's no reason to watch this movie at home right no that's
1: so your your buddy sonny bunch was talking about this i don't know the guy you're talking i'm (laughs) just saying like you you always used to bring him up more often um the first one too is the kind of movie that you watch on a theater because that's what cameron wants you to see he wants you to notice these things on a big screen most of them are like that jurassic park is the same way i mean it's on tv constantly but it does look better on a giant screen with better sound and better picture all the other ones you know they don't look good on on a tv and I can't, I can't watch Avatar again. It's not that kind of movie where you watch it on a screen at home, and because you're enthralled with the plot. And he said that people always joke about that the original one had no cultural impact because no one can remember the name of of the main character, and they're not buying Navi merchandise and stuff like that. But people are confusing the culture with you know pop culture, like. Marvel is in pop culture, although Marvel has no effect on the movie industry. Avatar had an effect on the movie industry in that people wanted to make movies in 3D. They wanted to make movies that are only spectacle. Um, they wanted to push the boundaries of the, the technology over everything else. A lot of movies came out after that that did those sorts of things. And, he goes, and that's not always a good thing because small movies sort of vanished and they don't even put them in theaters anymore especially after the pandemic we just want to see giant billion dollar properties and that's it go big or go home and it's the same thing here you know i, I was thinking of top gun that the latest top gun we saw look great in the theaters with the airplanes and the you know all that stuff like that but that doesn't translate well to a television where you can check your phone every five seconds because you're bored or whatever you know so did it have an impact yes not a great one this one has a little bit less of an impact because it's been done before it's basically the same movie over again and now we're gonna get more of them. so yeah like three more yeah i'm not going to those <laughs> <laughs> you can just stuff your sorries in a sack i'm not gonna see the next one
0: yeah no i think i think that's this is where i get off this is where I came in too. Let's well, that's where I came in.
1: Like, I remember the movie started. And I was like, didn't that guy die? I saw this part already, didn't I? <laughs> Always alive again. Okay. I
0: yeah. guess you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know what. All right. Well, I would not recommend Avatar Way of Water. Not worth the wait. No but um, if you guys think that we're wrong or have any thoughts about the movie that you'd like to share, you should let us know on Twitter or Instagram. We are at 3 Pod on both of those things. You should subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon Music. You should leave reviews and ratings. You should buy our merchandise at tpublic.com. And you can email us at 3drinksinpodcast at gmail.com. dot Anything else? Alright, as always, please drink responsibly and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.